and Smetty here. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to start a, a podcast with your dad? Welcome to yet another edition of Golick and Smetty. I am Mike Golick Sr. She is Jess Matana. And, you know, for the football season really not beginning yet, Jess, there is still a ton of news. And, and I really think the biggest news we're going to start with, outside of where I'm normally going to start with you, is outside the world of football with one of what has to go down as one of the greatest athletes that have we have we have seen uh, we've been fortunate enough to see this person um, do their thing. And we'll get to that person in a minute. But you know where I got to start. I mean, mm, yeah. it has been now two podcasts in a row where you have basically shirked your responsibilities of baking anything, which has really disheartened me. And I'm sure very much displeased your boyfriend and the Levitard group. <laughs> so please fill me in on where we're at with that. So I, I baked something really good this weekend, Mike. Oh, God. And let me tell you, I, it, is a, it is a sad story. Oh. Yeah. So I baked these. Um, they were pistachio apricot bars. It's apricot season, <clears throat> Mike. I don't know I, if you know. No, I did <laughs> not know. Stone fruit, very in right now. So it was like a, a crust layer with like sugar and you know flour and butter sure. and then a layer of like this pistachio cream oh. and then a layer of apricots and you bake it and the apricots get really warm. I know you're not like a warm fruit guy. No, no, but not. But the apricots, they're a little sweet, they're a little tart. So I made these bars on Friday. My boyfriend had a couple, I had a couple, gave a couple to my friend. And then on Saturday, I got invited to go on good friend Izzy Gutierrez's boat. Saw the pictures of that on your Instagram. Looked very fun. It was a fun. blast. It was a yeah. blast. Oh, that was so, Izzy's boat. Yes. Oh, okay. so it was a big boat day. Me and Chris Cody, you know, from the yeah, Levitard yeah. show, went on the boat. Very fun. My boyfriend and I packed up the pistachio apricot bars to bring with right. us as a little treat. Right. Um. Turns out, not a great snack for a boat. Uh, about two or three hours into the boat ride, oh, no. I opened my bag. And it was just a pile of mush, like a pile of like eggy, pistachio y, buttery mush with like apricots. I think it melted and I think it got like jostled around on the boat. Cause you know, we were going pretty fast on right, the boat. Right, right. It was also like 100 degrees out. It's hot everywhere yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, so we had to throw the rest of them away and it was so oh, sad. Oh, no. Did you, did you like throw them overboard? Uh, no, we, we threw them away when we got home, but I, I didn't even, I couldn't even do it. I told my boyfriend, I'm like, you have to throw these away. Like, I'm too sad about it. Like, I oh. only got to have, like, one of them, and it was devastating. So, anyways. Uh, That's really a tough call. That's really tragic, call. really yeah. tragic end for my, my baked good this weekend. I, I would have tried it. <clears throat> You're right. I'm not, a, I'm not a fruit person. I'm not an apricot person. Apricots, apricots, however you say it. Um, but I would have tried it because I, I so enjoy your baking. Let me ask you this and mm -hmm. feel free to, to boast. Don't mm -hmm. hold back. Could you, could you go on a baking show contest? Ooh, um, it depends. I mean, I'm not like, 
making these recipes up off the top of my head. No, you know no, no. I mean? but, but I mean, listen, I mean, a lot of these people are, they may have little tricks of the That's trade. True. I get it. Well, but pick your best one, whatever you think you make best. I don't know what that is. Could you be in a baking show contest with it? I think my baked stuff tastes pretty good. But I think if it's like, if I'm under all the stress and the pressure and I'm being timed right. and I have to remember something off the top of my head, I don't know if I'm going to be able to perform well under pressure. I, I'm not 100% confident in myself. I'm confident in, you know, if we had, if we had a bake, bake off where I like brought in something that I baked the night before oh, okay, and everyone gotcha. taste tested a bunch right, of food. Right, like right. I'm confident I would do well. I'm not sure how I would do on a TV show. Okay. All right. I, that would be asking a lot. I mean, cause I love watching those competitions. Not, oh, me too. not for pros, but people favorite. who aren't used to doing it, you know, in front of, you know, that quick, like you said, you have one hour or whatever and you yeah. F something up. And you got to redo it. Yeah, it that, that would be a lot of oh, pressure. The worst. So, so now, now that I'm thinking of it, let me ask you this, and then we're going to go to this 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 person. Um, what if you had to pick one thing that you bake best? What would it be? Or do you have one? I don't know if I have one. I think I I do a lot of things well, but I don't do anything like above and beyond. Eh, that's not true. A few things. Like I don't know. But we're gonna have just... to. I'm gonna have to test a. a like some cookies out with you this fall. Hopefully we'll, we'll tailgate together well, a few you times. You did that. And, and then it, you can tell excellent. me. So are you saying you're kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none? Yeah. I think that that's fair. I don't have like a specialty. Like I'll, okay. I'll do cookies. I'll do muffins. I'll do cakes. I'll do loaves. Oh, pies. God. I love pies. Still what sticks in my mind is the, <clears throat> the key lime loaf mm. because I had key lime pie, which Very I good. love, but key lime loaf. When you made that, I was like, wow. Okay. That was uh that was special. And in my segue voice, speaking of special. Mm, <laughs> well done. This and the reason when I was trying to set this up, I was not giving a gender away because <clears throat> a lot of times when we're talking about pardon my throat, I've had a, on a flight and uh, maybe that airplane air, who knows. Uh, but a lot of times <laughs> when you start talking about the greatest athletes of all time, it's it's unfortunate and it's ridiculously a shame that women aren't included, but this one is. Serena Williams mm. has basically announced and said after the U.S. Open that she is not retiring from tennis, but evolving away from tennis, I believe, mm. was her line. But she's retiring for this conversation. Uh, and I'll I tell you what, Jess, she uh, th there is no debating on is she a top 10 athlete of all time? Could be top five athlete of all time. It's where where everybody would put her. Certainly everybody's allowed their own opinion, but what what an incredible career from the from where her and her sister Venus began with the King Richard story that everybody, you know, could see where Will Smith won the uh, the Oscar for it um, and just what the beginnings were. And she went into detail. I think it was Vogue magazine mm -hmm. uh, where she went yeah. into real detail uh, about, the beginning of her career and obviously going to the end of it. I, I thought the, I thought the article was fascinating because a lot of it was just her, her kind of telling the story. But I mean, you, you would have to search very, very hard to find many careers that are greater than this one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just the way that she announced her retirement speaks to how she's become like so much bigger than just a, a tennis player, like having this Vogue article where there's all these like amazing portraits of her, like she's become a fashion icon. She's become uh, like so much more than just 
someone who plays tennis really well and and like she's a she's a cultural icon now so while she's retiring from tennis I think she's saying that like she's not you know she's not going to disappear she's just not going to be the version of herself that plays tennis anymore and I think Serena Williams is like like you said like she is so dominant it's like impossible to make any list of the best athletes over the last decade plus and not include her because she has kicked everyone's ass over and over again like she had no rivals because she was so good and she's won 23 majors and she went pro Mike the year after I was born so I cannot remember a time in which there was no Serena or Venus Williams playing I think Venus went pro in the year before so the year I was born so this like this new world of tennis without Serena Williams is going to feel so bizarre, but yeah, she's like, she's just the best. I don't know what else you can say about it. It, it to kind of just to give credence to forgetting just what she's done in the sport. But I mean, like golf tennis had been considered the upper class, you know, country club sport. And they're from what Compton, you mm-hmm. know, they don't have a lot of money yet. You know, uh, Richard, Williams finds a way to get his daughters to work and work and, and go through the process they're going through to become successful. There weren't a lot of African-Americans that were successful or coming from, you know, low financial means and not country club era that were successful. And Serena and Venus just absolutely <clears throat> destroyed that ceiling. They just didn't break through it. They destroyed that ceiling. And I put Serena's you know, when she was at the top of her game, when Tiger was at the top of his game, it just went for like a decade of dominance. When Mike Tyson was at the top of his game, when he was literally the most feared man on the planet, that he wasn't just going to knock you out, that he was going to hurt you in the ring, that you you had to watch. Serena was like that because she was so good. She was so powerful she could move so well. I'm talking about in the peak, which was a long time for her in her peak. Just watching an athlete like that dominate, dominate. I mean, because you know, listen, we talk about Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, if not the greatest. But there's, you know, we talk more about was Jerry Rice the furthest away from all the other wide receivers? How far was Tiger Woods away from the number two? How far in his prime was like Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali away from, though Muhammad Ali had some some serious competition at times. But when they were at their dominant of who was even close to him, right? I mean, who who could even even step in their ring consistently and and compete with them? I mean, for a while, it was, it was just Serena. And again, you mentioned the 23 Grand Slams. Again, Margaret Court has a record of 24. This was all before the open era, before 1968. Uh, and I love how Serena just talked about passing all the greats, including Chris Everett, Martina, you know, and passing them on that list. And she said certainly the, the, mm-hmm. the great ending would have been winning the last Grand Slam and tying Margaret Court and then winning the U.S. Open and having one more than Margaret Court and walking away from the game, you know. But she said, you know, it wasn't meant to be. It's a great story, but that story is not going to happen. She has a company, a venture capitalist, that she's been very involved in and wanting to have more kids. She says, I'm not playing tennis pregnant again. She won her last major <laughs> when I think she was two months pregnant with right, her daughter the 20, Olympia. 2017 Australia Open, yeah. yeah. I mean, so uh, that to me, not that she's going to go down as one of the greatest, but 
in her dominating space, whatever that space is, that she is right up there with the greats of all time of sheer dominance at that point in the, in their sport. Yeah. And it's a solo sport too. I think that's yeah. what one of the biggest differences between, you know, you compare her to any, any athlete that's on a, in a team or plays in a team sport. Like you could put her tennis, with tiger. Cause tiger was, yeah. a, that was an individual and, sport and too. Golf, golf is similar in that. Like it's certainly physical, but it's very mental. You have to be able to right. stay in the game mentally and compete even when you're losing and you're all alone on the court and you don't have a teammate there to, you know, bail you out or a coach to, to call a play that you might, you know, might not have to do much right, for. Right. Like you can just hand off the ball a few times. Not saying Tom Brady's done that. Of course, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, Mike. Sure. <clears throat> but yeah, Serena's kind of done it all by herself and, and she's just incredible for it. Well, listen, tennis is by yourself. Golf is by yourself. Probably the most worn by yourself sport other than team wise is basketball because you're playing offense, you're playing defense. You know, you go to the, you know, Michael Jordan considered the greatest of all time and what they do at both ends of the court. Football, yeah, Tom's going to go down as, as the greatest. But again, it's a team sport and it's one third of offense, defense, special teams. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well. So, what a uh, we'll see. It sounds like she's going that way, and, and we've seen her play. You know, it, it's kind of one of those. <clears throat> in all honesty, before Tiger won the Masters a couple of years ago, I didn't think he was. I was still doing a show then, and I had said I don't think he's winning another major. I think he's stuck where he is, a couple, a few away from uh, from Jack Nicholas, and then he goes and wins the Masters. So right. I think a lot of us were kind of hoping that was Serena. Could she eke another one out? She could she have that that week, you know, or that two weeks, you know, at a grand slam and put it together and eke out one more and at least tie Margaret Court. She was only one away where Tiger was three away. So we all thought she was going to get there. Surely, you mm-hmm. know, from 217, the last time she won, she would get two more. But it, it just it just came to watching and then the more it went because it is different than golf. Listen, Golf can still be physical on your body. We just we see the operations Tiger's had, but I mean, my God, the the, the physicalness of tennis, tennis and the is movement, exhausting. And what you have to do, and just watching her year after year trying to do it, and just and just kind of going, God, put it together this one time, this one time, and it's so difficult to do it, 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 when when you get older like that. Yeah, and she's done it twenty three times, and yeah. and it, it sounds like she's probably going to play in the U.S. Open or at least right. like prepare for it and and see how she feels because she's been dealing with some injuries but yeah Mike uh even watching tennis is exhausting I don't know about you but it's one of those sports that I put on and it's it's quiet because it's kind of quiet like baseball and you feel like hmm maybe I'll be able to kind of take a nap but then you're just sucked into it yeah watching tennis players run back and forth and I've never really been that big of a tennis fan um, the numbers were too confusing for me. I'm, I'm too stupid <laughs> to understand how, how the scoring works. But uh, you can tell when you're watching a really great tennis player. And you can tell when someone is doing something that looks like it should be impossible. Um, and that's certainly what it felt like watching her win all those Grand Slams. So, again, going to be weird with no no Williams sisters in, in tennis. And I, it's anyone's guess who's going to, like, be the next great tennis star. Um, there's certainly a lot of talented young people in the sport that weren't even born yet when Serena Williams yeah. became a professional. Um, but 
it's hard to have the longe- longevity that she's had playing. Well, I mean, certainly. that's what everybody's looking for, right? Who, who's going to be the next one? And we've had different number ones for the last few years. We knew it wasn't going to be Serena. We were just hoping she would get that grand slam. So who's going to be that? It's just like in golf after Tiger. Who's going to be the next Tiger? Who's going to win that consistently? And that's the question we all ask sitting on our asses watching you know, people play golf or play tennis. And the reality is there may not be somebody who wins on that consistent of a level. We don't know what we're going to see. We still have those three, four dominant guys on the men's side. So we're waiting, too, for that next generation of men to to kind of come through uh, as well. But uh, Serena Williams, in my estimation, belongs on any all-time greatest athlete list. Forgetting gender, throw it out, men, women, doesn't matter. Um, uh, uh, of where she belongs. So if, if the U.S. Open is the end for her and she walks away, it would uh, we should uh, all stand and clap, mm-hmm. uh, whether we're at the match or in our living room, <laughs> and say, well done, well done. Well, Mike, you mentioned football earlier in the episode, and we did, in fact, have a football game since the last time you and I spoke. Did you watch any of the Hall of Fame game? Oh, I, I did. I did. I, and, and I want to get into that game. I actually, my rookie year, <clears throat> my team played in it. I didn't. I was with the Houston Oilers. I broke my ankle. What's about that? This, I, I think, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God, Jess. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Now for you kids out there, they're the Tennessee Titans. Uh, <laughs> but they were the Houston Oilers. But I broke my ankle in camp like the first week. So I, did, I went there, but I didn't play in it. But it was also um, – Hall of Fame induction week and congratulations to Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Bryant Young, uh, Richard Seymour, Dick Vermeil, and Art McNally for all going in. And to me, Jess, you know, sometimes those speeches go way long. They, they, they tell the guys, I think mm-hmm. they give them one in 20 minutes or, or less. Sometimes, you know, you're going to stop a guy. It's not like at the Oscars where they play the music, you get oh, them yeah. off. They just, they just keep going. My favorite thing about them is we all know what they did. We all know the all pros, the pro bowls, the Super Bowl rings, the accomplishments. But for me, I love hearing about the road. You know, when they bring up their little league coach, their high school coach, (laughs) their uncle, you know, their mom, whatever, whatever was part of their journey. To me, that's that's the Hall of Fame what made them or what helped make them the great players that they were. So that's why I sit through all those speeches and love hearing the speeches because that's what they do a lot is they tell you not what I did, but this was my road at how I did it. Were there, were there any players in this year's group or anyone that you played with or that you know personally and you were excited to kind of hear, hear from well, them or see them get inducted? I know Dick Vermeil decently well. I know, um, I know Tony Baselli very well. Tony Baselli came into the league a year after I retired, thank God. Like Tony, <laughs> like Tony Baselli and Larry Allen um, from the Cowboys were, were, came in right after I left. And, and like I said, thank God. I remember I was talking to Tony Baselli because I did the, um, I was the first preseason TV analyst for Jacksonville when they started in 1995. I had, I had just retired and I, I was offered that job and I took it. So this was when Baselli was the first pick of that franchise. 
and I remember I was at camp and my, my, or my wife saw me somewhere and we met Tony, we were talking to Tony and I remember walking away from that. She's going, Oh my God. And, and listen, I had just retired. So I was still kind I was still like 300 pounds. I was still kind of playing big, you know? She said, when you were talking to him, you disappeared behind him. <laughs> you know, this dude was 6'7", 325, and was just a monster. So I, I knew him well. Uh, Bryant Young was a Notre Dame guy, so I knew, knew him. I probably knew Baselli the best. The, you know, and then, unfortunately, you get just the horrific stories. I mean, when Bryant Young was talking about one of his kids, Colby, who, who passed away when he was 15 years old, diagnosed with cancer a few years before that. And I mean, my God, you just sit there and you just cry with them. <clears throat> it, 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 the speeches, so the speeches to me are unreal because you find out even more about the person. We sit there and we watch a person on the field, mm -hmm. but we don't really know a person a lot of times. Today, you can know them a little more because of social media. But man, these, uh, these speeches, they really kind of open up. Uh, as far as the game, listen, I get people not wanting to watch the game. But, Jess, I came as a 10th rounder. Uh, and this was back when there were 12 rounds in the draft. And if you were a 10th rounder, a lot of times you weren't making the team. Mike was a free agent. There were seven rounds when Mike came out. He was a free agent. Free agents struggled to make rosters. So I'm a lot of times about that third and fourth quarter when those guys get their reps in the game to see how they do. Because I remember when I was in the media and I would talk to young players, especially maybe not drafted guys or late drafted guys, they were like, what do you, you know, what, what's, is there a secret sauce? And I said, yeah, obviously first, there's no secret sauce. But I said, you got to make a play in camp that makes the, the coaches run back the film, run back the play. That's what you got to do. And you don't get as many reps. So when you get your reps, you got to make them count. And you got to make the, the, the coach run the tape back when you're in practice. And that'll get you more reps, which could lead to more reps. So I enjoy watching it. I don't know the names of a lot of the guys, but I can understand. I don't imagine you do, and I would imagine oh, a lot. Think about the people that I... gamble on those games, Jess, how <laughs> sick they got to be. I watched the entire game. You did? I watched the entire game, yes. Good for you. I don't know why. I mean, I didn't, like, enjoy it. I couldn't tell you what happened. I, I think the, the Raiders won. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah. By a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, it was football and it was on. So I watched the entire thing. Um, my, my boyfriend really wanted to watch it too, even though I don't think he enjoyed any of it, but there we were Thursday night watching the hall of fame game. So football, football is back. <laughs> I mean, we all right after the super bowl, we're all sad because football went away and then we're counting the days till it comes back. And this is, this is the first kind of official thing. And then you add in the rain delay. In the beginning, oh, of yeah, it because of the of the weather. I should say weather delay. Rain wouldn't uh, wouldn't delay it. So the while the games get going now, preseason games. Do you watch those too? Like Pittsburgh's your team. Will you watch the entire game? Well, I'll definitely watch this year because there's like a, apparently a three way quarterback competition. It sounds like Mason Rudolph might be back in the mix. Do you believe um, that? Do you believe? Do you I believe? don't know. I don't know what I believe. I haven't. You know, I haven't obviously been to camp. I'm just kind of. Some some of the reports are trickling through, but I don't know, Mike. To be honest with you, I haven't put on my like football pants yet. Like I'm still wearing like right now. I'm wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. Like I'm still on summer vacation. <laughs> and until the Steelers play their first preseason game, or until you know next week, we're gonna do a big Notre Dame football preview. Right, right. Until I feel like it's really here, 
that's when I'm going to really start digging in and figuring out what the hell to expect this season. Because I, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback for 18 seasons. There right. was never yeah. really a question of him losing his spot to anybody. And this is the first time in, in my lifetime that I've, I've, there's been any sort of Steelers quarterback controversy. Now, there's been Notre Dame co- quarterback controversy almost every single year I've ever been a Notre Dame fan, except for when Ian Book Ian was Ian Book there. was running the show, yeah. Um, well, even even when Ian Book was there, because oh, Ian yeah. Book and Brandon Wimbush. Like, Bri- Brian, Brian Kelly had a, yeah, Brian Kelly had a way to never make the number one quarterback <laughs> feel very comfortable in this right. job. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm like, I'm used to it. But no, I, I don't feel like it's really here. And I know when, when this show is out, the first episode of Hard Knocks, I believe, will have yep. already aired right and that's usually like when i feel like when you hear the 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 sprinklers going off in the right. opening scene that's when i'm like all right i think it's time but so far i just have not it's just still feels like summer it's a thousand degrees outside yeah and i'm making you know apricot bars it still feels like summer. yeah for me right when camp starts is, is when i'm ready to go now again i i'm calling NFL games for Westwood one. So I kind of have to be going already on knowledge <laughs> you know, <laughs> of, of what's going on and such. But every year that goes by and listen, I've been out of the game for a long time and it has been hot everywhere. There'll be times just like sometime in July or something, I'll go outside and I'll be like, Oh my God, it's hot. And then I'll think, I used to put pads on in this. I used to put pads and a helmet on and hit people for two hours twice a day in this shit. And it's amazing how, as I get older, I'm like, oh, my God, how did I do that? But when you're young and dumb, you just go do it because that's all you've ever done. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're all used to it. But I, 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 I've been into it since July. I've been into it since the camps get going. I love all the little things. Well, you're, you're a real student of the game, Mike. Well, I mean, you know, probably playing. I'm had a student. A lot to do I'm with a that. student of the tailgate. Yeah. Well, I want to watch the games. I want to eat some dips. Chips it is and something dip. I never got to experience that I hope you and I can experience at a Notre Dame game is I've never obviously when I played never got to tailgate. So I was always you know never good at that. So that's something I can always get better at. But yeah, we, we are full in preseason. Um you know, uh, and, and obviously for this for the Hall of Fame game, you heard Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr aren't starting, which is fine. They shouldn't. So, you, <laughs> but I, I'm, it still blows my mind that people gamble on these games. How you can figure out who you're going to pick when you have no clue who's going to be on the field? And maybe I'm going to tell you, that's the fun part. I, I guess maybe. Hey, listen, if you got the money, as long as you know you're doing it responsibly, you know, and and not you know gambling your rent money, uh, you know, hey, more power to you. But here's the one thing that I can guarantee you, Jess, that everybody is concerned about in every every practice, two-a-day practice, and every preseason game. It's at the end of the play or the end of the drill, everybody gets up. That is, without a doubt, already you've had. You look at for the Eagles, you know, Jason Kelsey, the center, gets basically talked back in for another year, which will probably be his last year. He's got. He's going to get his elbow cleaned out. This guy already is starting the year where he's already. You know, he's he's an undersized guy anyway who plays on grit and toughness and probably held together by chicken wire and duct tape. And that's going to continue for this year. You got these early injuries. Makai Becton, my God, the the all everything left tackle for the Jets and they drafted him. Now he's over that's at right nice. tackle. Let last year preseason dislocates a kneecap out the entire year. This year. 
chip in this in the same kneecap out for the year it looks like again so two years in a row two years in a row to miss entire seasons that's the fear of of training camp and especially of preseason games and that's what i think you do as a fan you hold your breath and pray that your guy your guy and your jersey gets up after every play and you don't have to deal because that's the one thing we can never predict we can't predict who's going to get hurt yeah, and Mike, you, you, I know it's August because this week on the Levitard show, we talked about Aaron Rodgers for like several hours. And <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers recently went on a podcast, said that he took ayahuasca on a trip in South America, and he's on this path to like self-discovery, I suppose. And and so that's been a hot topic of debate. I, the NFL, I think, came out and said that it wasn't a, a violation of their drug policy and etc etc he's been doing a lot of media interviews um i don't care about aaron Rodgers. i don't think he's that interesting i think we've run out of things to talk about i think aaron Rodgers at times likes to every now and then go i haven't been in the news enough so i'm gonna do something <laughs> i'm gonna date this person or i'm gonna get this tattoo or i'm gonna, oh, I'm yeah, gonna the however however you ingest and here's the spelling of it a y a h u a s c a. Would you say ayahuasca? I know that's a tough one for you. So, oh, without question. So I had I tried to spell it for you earlier and it didn't work did. out very well. You did, and I luckily I typed in a couple letters and it came up, probably <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers talked about well, it. Well, he's been trending for like a week because yeah. of all of this, and it's been like this kind of mini controversy, and I'm not sure. Why? Well, I mean, well, well I think I mean I know why. It's because it's August, but like, I, well, I also, like... also, I'm sure everybody. The first thing everybody did is looked into is was it illegal? Is it on the ban list? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when you're walking into training camp, you know, like Nicolas Cage from Con Air, a movie I love, by the way. Never seen. <clears throat> oh my God! Of course you haven't. Okay, <laughs> ayahuasca. Here we go. For those that may not know, if you didn't look it up, it's a South American psychoactive brew used both socially and as ceremonial spiritual medicine among the indigenous people of the Amazon basin. It is growing in usage in Western society, including multiple ayahuasca churches. It is a psychedelic and some word I can't pronounce mixed drink group <laughs> commonly made out of another word I can't pronounce vine and shrub or a substitute and possibly other ingredients. So, yeah, I'm sure the first thing people do is say, is anything on the ban list is Aaron Rodgers not going to be able to play, right? I mean, that's what everybody wants to find out. If you hate Green Bay, you're digging through every ingredient of this, praying to God something shows up mm, on the ban Bears, list. Bears fans. So, yeah, so he doesn't play. By the way, I'm calling that game the uh, Bears at Green Bay week two of the uh, season. I'll be in Green Bay. Wow. So, uh, the first week that'll I'm be doing, great. First week I'm doing uh, Tampa Bay at Dallas. Well, I was going to say, it'll be great for you to call another Packers win against oh, the Bears. Yeah, I know. I did the one last one last year, the last uh, their last uh, home game or last regular season game. So, yeah, I, I really think that's it with Aaron. I mean. Just I, wants attention. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt the dude loves the spotlight. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So, he's in it again for ayahuasca. We think that's how we say it, ayahuasca? Yeah, that's how you say it. Or is that how you're just saying You're just saying it with – with such like assuredness that that you're gonna that, that that's the right way to say it. <laughs> so it's uh, it's prepared I, in a tea that, when consumed, causes an 
altered state of consciousness or high, including visual hallucinations and altered perceptions of reality. Isn't like isn't that like peyote? I mean, I, I yeah, I, I you're you're giving me like strong dad vibes right now, Mike. Reading like the Wikipedia page for a drug, I love. And it. you forget I, I'm putting on my reader glasses <laughs> when I'm doing it. I'm hitting every dad move there is. Uh, well, uh, while we're on the football topic, I know we're we're going to be covering some Notre Dame specific things next weekend, so Notre Dame fans should should look out for that. But in the meantime, there has been big. Big Ten news. Yes. Uh, apparently, the Big Ten is working on finalizing a deal with NBC and CBS for uh, Big Ten rights starting in 2024, I believe. It's a big deal. And I think the most surprising part about it is that ESPN's not a part of it. Right. Um, the thing that I think might be interesting for us to talk about, Mike, is what this might mean for Notre Dame fans if the Big Ten is now going to be. Uh, on NBC, which has historically been the exclusive home of Notre Dame football. So I think the biggest thing for Notre Dame is, will there be, will NBC try and, you know, will there be an individual move for them, right? Uh, we, we've already talked about the one report out there that Notre Dame was looking at 70, wanted 75 mil a year. Uh, they're currently make anywhere from 15 to 20 mil from NBC. And we've talked about what makes Notre Dame stay independent. And, and we, I think we both agree, a clear path to the playoffs. And we know it's going to be expanded to 12 or 16 teams. And Notre Dame will, as an independent, what would have a, absolutely a clear path to the playoffs without question. And then it's how much money can Notre Dame make? Because I don't care if it's our school, anybody else's school, this revolves around money. Why do we think USC and UCLA are popping to the Big Ten? A lot of it is about money. So what's the money to be made? What are all the, the different ways Notre Dame can be part of something or still alone in something? Because that's what that's what everybody says. It comes out, as we mentioned, a $350 million deal for CBS, uh, you know, and, and the Big Ten. The question, where does that leave Notre Dame? Uh, we know where Fox is probably going to be in the 800 to a billion dollars a year. Where does that leave Notre Dame? You know, what are they going to do? So I, I think Jack Swarbrick, the, the AD, still sits back as the landscape continues to unfold and see, in all honesty, unless you disagree, Jess, you tell me what kind of comes to them. Mm-hmm. I would say, their, would you think their phone would ring before they make a call to someone? I think so. And I think, I think this might be a good sign for Notre Dame fans that want to be independent because this this is an indication that NBC wants to keep having a college football presence like recently NBC gave up all of their hockey rights to ESPN and I right. and, cl- and shut down NBC the NBC sports channel right. and I think there maybe was like a uh, a thought that they were kind of thinking of taking some of their sports properties like away or, or giving up some and, and doubling down on others. So I think this is a good sign that maybe they're going to invest in more, you know, college football studio shows and things like that and things that make them a, a more attractive partner to Notre Dame. So it's good that they are still interested in, in maintaining, you know, college football uh, broadcasts. Uh, so I, I, I think you're right. I think Notre Dame's probably answering lots of phone calls right now, waiting to see what, uh, comes to them what you know probably waited to see how this big 10 agreement would shake out right um very lucrative deal for the big 10 i think that there are some big 10 fans who might be concerned though that um 
you know, Mike, you worked at ESPN for years. ESPN tends to pay more attention to the sports that yes. they own the rights for. And so now there maybe is a worry that Big Ten schools won't get as much ESPN coverage. And how much, how much does ESPN coverage impact the college football playoff rankings or the AP polls or whatever, how much broader media coverage you're getting? So I could see that maybe being a negative, but I don't know how much of a negative it will be. I don't know if that's really something quantifiable or tangible. Um, especially because ESPN is still going to have all the SEC games. Right. They still have college game day. So they're going to be talking about college football. Right. It's they not are. quite the same as, you know, NBC having hockey and ESPN not really covering hockey for a few years because um, they have no incentive to. I think ESPN still has an incentive to cover the other college football leagues, especially if there's, you know, out-of-conference games or whatever. But um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how that shakes out for Big Ten fans if they're going to be as upset as Notre Dame fans have been in the past if Notre Dame plays a big home game and doesn't end up on Sports Center. We've all it, seen it's, it happen. It's a great point because I was doing my show at ESPN when we stopped do, you doing hockey. We talked about hockey. I mean, how many we had Barry Melrose on all the time. I love talking to Barry Melrose. And then hockey went to NBC, and we didn't talk about hockey. Now, one of the reasons, unfortunately, because I loved hockey, was when you talked about hockey on radio, the ratings weren't great. Um, so that, that played into it. But from the TV side of the ESPN, they basically stopped covering it. You're right. They basically stopped covering it. And now it's back, and they have all kind of studio shows, show all kind of games. So they put a lot behind it. Um, I, I agree with you. I think even if ESPN isn't part of this deal, you're still going to get plenty of college talk because of college game day. It's still the leader out there. Um, and in and some of the games, they're going to do whatever their involvement is with the college playoffs. We have to kind of wait and see. Uh, because still, the most popular sport out there is the NFL, and next might be college football. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't the, the same with hockey. Even when ESPN had hockey, right. while it was considered one of the big four, it was one of the low-rated of it. College football is not. College football has monster ratings. So I, I got to believe they still will cover that. But it's the landscape's changing, and the team – the team, what do the teams care about? It's just like the NFL owners all sitting in their their owners' meetings like that are going on right now and, and asking, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. How does it affect our bottom line? That's where college is now, from the players to the schools. And the, by the schools, I mean especially through their um, broadcasting deals. The players are sitting there, you know, getting rich and actually allowed to make money through NIL, and the schools now are at a time where – the broadcasting fees are going to go up. Mm -hmm. So the, the college presidents through the ADs are like, okay, what's going in our pocket, you know, to help our school. That's what they're looking at. And fans, you deal with what you got to deal with, but we're getting right. X amount of money. And that's what we wait with, with Notre Dame. Because again, if there's expansion, getting into the playoffs is not going to be the issue. Now, if they only take conference champions as the top seeds, then Notre Dame would never be a top seed because they would never be a conference champ but I'd, they'd be willing to live with that as long as the bottom line number is right and that that's essentially what we're just going to keep going around in mm -hmm. circles with right mm -hmm. what's the bottom line number going to be mm -hmm. and it's i don't think the reports are out yet on if there's going to be a streaming partner for the big 10 or or what that might look like um but there has been some speculation about what like the Saturday schedule might look like now. And if, if they're doing a primetime big 10 game on NBC, does that mean Notre Dame is not going to be getting primetime games on NBC? And Mike, I don't know about you, 
but I hope that's the case. I love the 3.30 kickoff. I love the 2.30 kickoff. Do not love the 7.30 kickoff. As a player, the earlier I played, the better. In the NFL, I loved 1 o'clock games. At Notre Dame, I loved 2.30 games. Man, you were done. I mean, it, it was it was awesome. Prime time is cool every now and then, but for the most part, man, just let let me get my uniform on and play. And God, I tell you, now from your side of it, I would have thought you would have liked the later games because you could tailgate longer. I just think it's it, I think three thirty is the perfect amount of time to go. I know, and I know Notre Dame's been doing more two thirty games lately. Right. NBC's been giving them the two thirty slot, but the three thirty was always my favorite because you get to the tailgate. You, it's the perfect amount of time to eat, to drink, eat, drink, go to the game you know, get a hot dog or something. And then the game ends and you still got your whole night. Like it's, then you can nap for a while, right? You can nap, you can go out, you can just go home. Like you can have dinner. Like it's just, it's just the perfect amount of time, especially like my family. When, when I was growing up, we used to drive from Chicago to Notre Dame every Saturday for games. Both my parents went to Notre Dame. They're big ND football fanatics. So, you know, we, first of all, Mike, you lose an hour because of yep. the time zone change, right. it's brutal. So you leave at like 8 a.m., you don't get there till 11. But it was the perfect amount of time when you got there to just kind of hang out for a while, see the game, and then you can still drive home. And you get home at a pretty reasonable time. And I don't know, maybe I sound like an old lady, but I really enjoyed that. So I don't know. Not a huge fan of the primetime games. I also feel like they stress me out more. The primetime games? Why? Because there's more on it? I don't know. I just think they're... Like the atmosphere, I, and I will say, I think Notre Dame Stadium probably is more of a, um, I don't know, a harder place to play during the primetime games. And right, like now they're right. doing all the stuff with like the light show and everything like that. But, um, and, and I think the crowd's just a little bit louder, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. They just. You know, the, the, the one thing about the 730 game as well is you had to. Normally, there's that lull. If I'm just thinking of college students now, or even players, there's that lull of from like as long as there's no game, if your game's over, from like seven to like nine or ten, where you can chill before you start to you know prep to go out. You do. You have a prime time game. You're out. That's it, right? I mean, you're getting ready for that game. You're getting lubed for that game, and then right <laughs> after the game, you're going right out. I mean, that night has to continue, and you're dead by the end of the night. <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah <laughs> <laughs> no comment but I, yeah I'm, i was gonna say you're, you've think, been out of college a while jess you can go ahead and admit i know mike i was on the phone with a notre dame student earlier and, and she asked me if i was a student when the debartolo performing arts center was built and it made me feel so old because that building was built like in 2008 which wasn't that long ago it was a totally fair question like she, she meant no harm but i was like damn right. i've been out of college long enough for current students to ask me if I was around when certain buildings existed. I feel like that's like a special degree of elderliness that you don't get when you're a recent college grad. Can I just play the small violin for you now? Okay. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? Oh I know, no. I think yes. you just had like your 40 year reunion. <laughs> yes, feels old. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah, I did. Yes, yes. Is there a problem with that? Oh my no, God. No, absolutely not, Mike. I, I'm just saying, oh. I feel your pain. Oh, whatever. All right, so maybe one last thing. Let's talk about that we're going to feel the pain together mm. is the end of Better Call Saul is oh coming up, is fast approaching. What do we have? Two, two oh wait, after after the taping, we have one left. One right? left. One left. One left. So, I mean, we're in season six. We're getting to the end. 
Kim, oh, I should, I, you know, I guess we got to be careful what we say. What, what's it? We used to talk about this all the time on Mike and Mike and then with me, Trey, and my son of what's, because Game of Thrones was big mm. in, in that time. So what's, what can you talk about while the series is still going on? Did I ever tell you the story of Herm Edwards and what he ruined one time? <laughs> no, I don't so, think so. So we're coming to the end of the show. It's me, Mike, and Herm are, are doing the show. Uh, Herm was a guest for the last segment. It was just me and my son, Mike, doing the show. And we're coming. And I mean, literally, Jess, there, we're in the last 30 seconds of the show. And this is a hard out at the top. I mean, we're, we're going off air. And Herm is like, and, and Mike, that entire show, the night before had been a Game of Thrones episode. And Mike, the entire show is, nobody say a word. Don't anybody say anything. I have it taped. I, I, I don't want to know what's going on. So the whole show, now Herm didn't know this. Herm comes in. He's a guest for the last segment. And you know Herm. Herm is just such a fun-loving guy. So we're literally 30 to 40 seconds of going off air. And Herm's like, how about Game of Thrones? How about what happened in Game of Thrones? And Mike's like, Herm, no. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't say anything. I, I haven't seen it. And Herm's like, all right, all right, th- this this won't give anything away. I'm just gonna have a little this won't give anything away. He said, Bad guy's got a dragon. Mike's like, no. I mean, that's a that's a massive spoiler. I mean, a massive. I mean, Herm got just destroyed <laughs> up and he, down on social how media. How did he not think that was a spoiler? Yes, I don't know. But I mean, that was literally the last words said on that show was oh, Jesus. bad guy's got a dragon and Mike lost his flipping mind. Everybody did who hadn't seen it because yeah, that was a huge storyline. So I always wonder, cause we got one episode left. I actually watched the last one. And I, as I told you, I rarely watch it live, but I was watching it live. And then unfortunately I fell asleep. It was late. I'm old. Um, <clears throat> so I'm basically caught up, but I don't know how far to go outside of, Breaking Bad entered the equation. Uh, mm, well, okay. We won't give any spoilers in this episode. Yeah, we'll wait yeah. until the series ends, and then maybe yeah. you and I will do a recap in a couple of weeks, and we'll we'll mark it as a spoiler and make sure we don't ruin it for anyone. But, yeah, last night's episode was great. Uh, I think, you know, Mike, this episode's over of Golik and Smeddy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. But I can't believe Kim Wexler got abducted by a UFO. Oh, come on, Jess! <laughs> 